Hi and welcome to the podcast. You're having tea with Alice. I'm sorry for the slight delay of getting this episode out. I was in Australia and then I was in, I flew back to the UK on Thursday and on Friday I went to the Llama Tree Festival which is in Salisbury or near Salisbury in a field with no internet access so I wasn't able to put up an episode. Uh, what I have this week for you is an episode with Barry Ferns, who runs Angel Comedy. He's a delightful human being. We recorded it backstage of the main stage, so there might be a little bit of noise bleed, as there are is always at festivals where the whole sound thrums with the sound of of amplified uh, musicians making beautiful noise. Uh, and now I'm only just back in London, and I have time to upload this episode. I will also upload my regular episode on Thursday. That will be with Henry Fraser. I've already recorded it, it's in the bank, so that's also a very interesting one. I chatted with Barry today about pedophilia, so if that is a triggery thing uh, for you, we wrestle with the ideas, we're not pro-pedophilia in any way, so if it's just the subject matter. If that is something that bothers you, wait till Thursday, skip this episode. If the topic itself bothers you, I think we deal with it in a relatively sensitive way, but as you know, this this podcast is for talking about difficult ideas and because this is a, a as the most sort of difficult idea of our society it's the the worst possible crime you can commit uh, some people have a very strong reaction to that so if that's not something that you would be interested in hearing people be interested in if it's the kind of thing that you don't uh, even want to touch with a 10-foot pole that is okay I'm you know of course it's okay I just wanted to warn you uh, so you can not listen if you want to not listen. That said, if it is anything short of triggering for you, then I highly recommend you listen uh, to Barry because he's a delight. He's a really lovely and thoughtful and sweet human being and I really enjoyed having this conversation with him. Uh, if you want to look him up online, Barry Ferns, look up Angel Comedy. They're doing a Kickstarter at the moment that's very much worth contributing to if you believe in comedy and community, both of which he does. Uh, and otherwise email me alicerfraser at gmail.com this episode is brought to you as ever by my Patreon subscribers patreon.com slash alicefraser you can also go there for my blogs I will be doing a daily blog in Edinburgh as I did last year on my at that time Tumblr I didn't have Patreon yet or I wasn't using it for blogging yet so I'll put that up on my Patreon I'll link it through my Tumblr I'll link it through my Twitter at alliterative I'll link it through my Facebook page if you want to follow that, the experience of being at the Edinburgh Fringe, I really enjoyed writing that last year, so uh, I will do it again. That's cool. Otherwise, uh, just enjoy yourselves. I hope you're having a lovely time. Hit me up if you want to say hi. You're having tea with Alice. Uh, yes, do you want to introduce yourself to my people? What's, what kind of tea are you going to have? Um, uh, the kind of tea I'm going to have is, uh, I usually have a green tea, but... There are no green tea bags, so I'm gonna gonna rock, rock the uh, the podcast uh, by uh, having some hot water. I, I occasionally do have uh, just straight hot water. I've had I've yeah. had too much tea because you want something warm and soothing, and it's actually water is quite a nice thing. Yeah, it is. It's hot water is the soothing part of tea. I I realised that a while ago, but I still like green tea. So you are a powerhouse of sort of comedy doing and production you run so yeah what who am i uh so i do kind of everything because uh so i started stand up when i was 17 
I did th- about three years of stand-up and was in the semi-final of So You Think You're Funny and did all the kind of like dig gigs around. It was a different time then. You got p- I got paid for my second gig. Um, and Amazing. that was young. I was going telling my parents I was going off to un- visit universities and actually doing gigs in Bristol and Brighton and London and Edinburgh. And... Um, and then I did sketch comedy, wrote sketch comedy for 10 years and took like seven shows up, eight shows up to the Edinburgh Festival and produced the first few. I just produced and wrote them and directed them, but I wasn't in them. And then I was in the rest. And uh, then I made a series of short films as well as at the same time of those sketches because a couple of things were commissioned and I did that. And then I started a comedy club and started doing stand up again because I kind of the Kind of had to. I kind of had to, yeah. Uh, and uh, and I you're running a Kickstarter at the moment. So at the moment, uh, this will go up tomorrow. So if there's yeah. Time. Oh wow. Okay. So Angel Comedy is what I started. It was one day a week, and that's seven days a week, and that is it's a free comedy gig that runs about hundred people. We turn away about fifty people a night. It's just ridiculously successful because the open mic circuit in London or the comedy circuit in London is amazing, and there are so many amazing people, and there's just a bottleneck of people who can get kind of into other gigs. So it's just it's lovely to run so and now we've expanded not expanded but we're opening a second venue that's actually our venue so instead of being a room above a pub we're starting a second venue that is for everyone it's a community comedy venue it's going to be part of the it's going to run comedy courses for kids disadvantaged kids and it's going to run comedy courses in old people's home which is something else i've done with angel comedy where you go into an old people's home uh, they're suffering from alzheimer's and improv actually helps kind of fire up the brain in ways that other things don't so that's what we're doing at the moment so if you uh, if you're if you like the idea of a community comedy hub, then uh, you can help us on Kickstarter. Record Angel Comedy, find us Angel Comedy, and you can you can actually name a part of the venue. And if we m- reach the amount, people can actually name me. If we reach sixty thousand pounds, I'm going to let every backer vote on giving me a new name. Vote vote face being the Barry kind of salutary face, <laughs> example. I. I think that's fantastic. And I mean, this is in, in a context where a lot of comedy clubs are closing down. You've gone from one night a week to seven nights a week to a second venue. So clearly you're doing something interesting or something right. Yeah. Which well, I think is pretty cool. Oh, thanks. It's like you've been a couple of times. so you Yeah, kind it's of a good night. The, the idea is to just make it as friendly to everyone as possible. So make it as accessible to people that haven't been to comedy before and make it a nice environment. Make it a nice place for comics to play, not abuse it. So the idea is to kind of I undersell a product that is really good so, and so everybody wins except me but I win still but just not as much as I could do if I was a money-making capitalist which I'm just not clever enough to be so or maybe too clever to be I have theories about capitalism uh, that theory what are your theories about capitalism oh uh, I think my uh, your listeners know your capitalism know my capital some of my capitalism theories I'm rolling them out slowly so I don't <laughs> uh, turn people off but we were talking about some controversial ideas before do you wanna oh yeah so this is what the podcast is so um okay so this is a controversial idea or a difficult idea it's a difficult idea i don't i think it's controversial because subject matter is just controversial like yeah, our society by its nature so our society because it's around the idea of pedophilia and now pedophilia is such a emotive emotional red beacon light to most people yeah. in like to, to the, the point extent where if somebody says it on stage it can shut down yeah, a room can shut down a room it's like i actually did a uh, course in psychotherapy and my teacher for the foundation year of psychotherapy actually had a the view that pi- pedophiles were just evil 
Like, it, it, that somebody's trained for years and that then putting the idea of evil, which for me is a really broad notion that, like, anyway, it was a well, surprise Well, yeah, me. for evil you sort of need a theology, yes. at least, or an underpinning theology that seems counterproductive in the context of a scientific pursuit. Yeah, evil Something is so that you could precisely. believe in in your private time but not necessarily <laughs> take yeah. into the office. Precisely. Like, yeah, the idea of evil is just so medieval. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, that's bad, that's good. Like, you know, so, anyway... So e if somebody like that can be even black and white on that, it's just on that issue of paedophilia, it just kind of shows how, what hope do the rest of us have, you know, yeah. of like, and so it's difficult to talk about in general um, when uh, kind of have discussions about, because people have very reflex response around it. But it was just a thought that I had was that obviously there are horrific things done by people by people to uh, that are what's the word that are giving in to those urges. Yeah, well, Ho there's absolutely horrible. There's two things that were saying at the beginning of this topic, which I think I know some of the places you're going. One is that not all pedophiles are child molesters, yeah. and not all child molesters are pedophiles. Yeah, I mean there are some people who who abuse children who are doing it for reasons other than the yeah. sexual attraction to children, yeah. which is arguably even yes. worse yeah, yeah, yeah. if you can draw fine distinctions in the realm of horrific abuse, yeah. which I think you can. Yeah. Because why the well, fuck not? I, th I think you have to draw fine distinctions in anything you're thinking about. Like one of my, my favourite stock phrases in my life is that if I've come to a conclusion about something, it, all it means is I've stopped thinking about it because there are so many different angles on everything. My one so is uh, never have a principle you're not willing to examine. Yes. Except that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, where am I? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, uh, and it's the same thing. You sh there's nothing you should take for granted. Absolutely nothing. Well, there's, so a certain t there's a certain nasty trend at the moment with people who have very strong opinions about things who are not even willing to do thought experiments. Mm. Yeah. Uh, th there's a real r gut reaction and a, a fury that is is arises when you say, "Oh well, what if that were not true?" Yeah, 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 yeah. Like that is, I I always think when that rises in me, all it means is that I haven't thought about it properly, and so I'm just get very defensive. Right? I'm just <laughs> just gonna ah, I'm just angry because I don't want to have to talk about it. Yeah, and that's how I interpret it. That I don't know whether that's true or not, but so sorry. Continue. I. Don't no, you derailed us. No, not in any derailing whatsoever. Uh, Rerailed. Rerailed uh, us. Um, so, yeah, that that idea that not you know not all paedophiles are what was the phrase? Not child molesters. Child molesters and not all child molesters yeah. are paedophiles. But the kind of thought just popped into my head, uh, or just has kind of been tumbling around, is that actually, like, if you're somebody that has never had uh, that kind of like thought, that kind of horrible thought to do that mm. actually you are like you're neutral in that kind of like so whereas those people that have had that thought and have do have that desire but aren't acting on it are better humans than I am <laughs> because I don't like I'm not resisting an urge to do that but yeah. if you're like, resisting an urge and you've never done it and you know it's bad and you're keeping hold of it, that's like a superhuman. Like, who, I can't well, even not eat biscuits. Well, if you think of any 18-year-old, let's assume boy, because statistically, yeah. um, at least the ones that get caught are men, uh, in the majority. 
so assume you're a young 18 year old man and you realize that you're attracted to someone anyone mm. to ask that person to repress their sexual urges is a huge deal and I don't think that like just acknowledging that the urges or to act on them would be horrible and wrong you shouldn't underestimate how hard it is even so yeah even so like you know even if you admit that those urges or obviously we as a society everyone has agreed that it's basically the worst crime you can commit yeah it's it is the worst crime that yep. we have as a society and that it's the worst insult that you can level at somebody it's the worst yep. thing we can conceive of somebody being or doing even if you know that yeah it would still be difficult yeah and i think it's worth acknowledging that yeah it should almost be celebrated yeah well that's the th- that's the thing that's that's the kind of taboo thought of like they're superheroes i genuinely mean they're superheroes because like and as a society we so bandy the word as being negative through and through and actually the the impulse isn't negative in itself if you don't act on it like all of us have selfish impulses that we act on all the time and like i you know like we've all had that thought where you go into gap or primark or whatever name brand store of choice where you think oh wow that's really cheap and then your brain thoughts thinks is that okay that's really cheap is that all right Another thought thinks, oh, child labor. Is there child labor? Was it, is this one of the shops that has child labor? Another part of your brain always just goes, yeah, but like, if you know about that, other people have heard about child labor and they're doing something about it. Buy the jumper, it's fine. Like, the, yeah. And the, every kind of, a lot of the decisions we make in the modern world are, are moral mazes where a lot of us are giving in to the bad thing. Well, and also being very willing to abdicate responsibility yeah. for thinking through big problems like yeah. that. So there's that sense of, of, oh, I don't want to think about it, so I will just, and I'm only a small part of this yes. very big problem and therefore it can't really be contributing to the problem. And the reality yeah. is we have slaves, we just keep them in cu- different countries where we don't have to look at them. Yes. We have slaves as much as South of America did during peak cotton picking time we have yep. slaves we just don't have to look them in the eye every morning when we wake up yeah you know that's so they don't exist so that's they don't exist to us you know but at, at the same time i think that you are yeah you're right there is this sense of like or there's that question of are you a good person if you're just naturally good like i i yeah. am congratulated occasionally on being quite generous but mm. i was brought up being con- like being rewarded for those impulses so that it gives me a thrill like yep. I, I i like it i like yeah. buying someone something nice i like being like oh no i'll get this yep. i l- i like that that's a nice you get your dopamine release that's you're well trained well trained yeah yeah, yeah yeah i am i'm thrilled by that feeling so i feel that if somebody is naturally you know was brought up desperately hungry or needed f- you know for them that giving is a really painful thing mm. Arguably, they are a better person than I am because yep. they are they're fighting a, a they're, they're a fighting their fight. conditioning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then, is struggle itself worthy? Like, is should you should someone be rewarded for struggle just even if it's inherent? Yeah, yeah. It's it's weird because at what point do you then start taking um, credit for your actions? Like, yeah. is just taking credit for your actions actually? a just egoistic kind of impulse because if you are acting in that way then the struggle wasn't too bad (laughs) yeah so like if uh, anything that you give into 
um, and that you are uh, you're won over by. That's th- that's where the struggle actually is. And in some ways, you should never congratulate yourself because there's well, always another struggle to, to go. Yeah, I have yeah. never drunk alcohol, mm. and I've never really felt like it. Oh, well I've never done. wanted to. Well done. Yeah. But yeah. there's there's a man out there Precisely. who cannot drink because he drank too much once, and yeah. every time he passes a bottle of whiskey, he has to fight a fight. Yeah, and so his not drinking is is much like better deal than yeah than me. For yeah. me, it was never on the dial, so it was n- there's no virtue in it yeah. in that yeah particular restraint. Whereas like walking past a piece of chocolate might be, <laughs> for example, like yeah. m- a much bigger deal. Yeah. For me. So what do you do with those thoughts? I mean, do you think that there is no thing that you should be rewarded for? Like, because, okay, so what would what would be the biggest... I was I mean, going to go back to, like, should? a little thought experiment yeah, on, on. The, on the pedophilia slash pederasty <laughs> distinction. Okay. Of, for example, yep. you, the listener, <laughs> uh, let's, let's minimise the impact, say, rather than the potential or the likelihood of ruining somebody's life uh, and traumatising them forever... If if every time you jerked off, a puppy died. <laughs> yeah. Like not a cute puppy. <laughs> so how how many times do you, Barry, think you as a teenager would have? Yeah. Helped yourself. Well, then, but then you, yeah, okay. So then I would start kind of dissecting the thought experiment as you know you would like never see the puppy yeah oh well that's reassuring. you just know that it's died <laughs> you just know yeah um but then what you're asking then is how one person so like there are different levels of relationship with puppy if you had a puppy if i'd had a puppy in my life that's going to mean a lot more to me than if i'd never seen puppies before and they were a idea or i'd never spent any time with them so okay, if every time you joke off a lemur dies <laughs> yeah um, or a mouse. Yeah. You just become, I suppose, the thing is, your your decision is to either become desensitized to the fact that, oh, it's just mice, mm. you know, or to actually kind of, um, but it's it's difficult when you're a kid, when you know, when you're a teenager, you kind of like those uh, impulses run really, really strong in you, you, you know, and you're not always kind of conscious of that fact. You're not always conscious of kind of, I don't know if it was really forced home to me when I was growing up that a puppy would die. Which I think is one of the re- one of the reasons why society is so hysterical mm. about paedophilia. Not to minimise the impact of it, but to reinforce to people the impact of it. Yeah. That that it is such. I think for the th- cup couple of reasons, it is the most cardinal sin. One is because you're ruining the potential of a human life. Yeah. And we always value potential. And children could be anything. Mm. And if you damage a child, it's such damage. Rather than it's, I mean, it's worse than damaging an adult in our minds. Yeah. And probably truly so because you've, you've ruined much more of somebody's life. Yeah. Um, but then secondly, because we don't understand it scientifically, we don't really know what it is. We don't know what causes it. We're not sure... And so it, it so it's is frightening. The, the unknown yeah. thing of like, could someone turn into one? Is yeah. there an inherent thing in everyone that possibly could be like? So it's it's one of those really, really frightening things. In the same way that that people rail against 
against rapists or abusers because they desperately hope that they could never be one. Yeah. And you want to prove to yourself that you can never be one. That's why people are so vehemently unsympathetic towards something that must be like being in hell every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's unthinkable thoughts. Like, uh, every society has unthinkable thoughts. And the more unthinkable thought is, the more likely that is to be uh, uh, kind of repressed and sublimated somewhere else. Yeah, and then like these poor people go, well, I just have to cut my sexuali- sexuality off completely, which is right. Yeah. And they go, well, I'll just go into a career where <laughs> yep. I'm not allowed to have one. Yeah. And then you get put in charge of... <laughs> children so that's that is a very difficult thought it's, it's interesting there's a there's a story about gandhi and i don't know how you feel about gandhi but um that you know obviously really amazing life in certain ways in lots of ways huge ways um and these two stories i quite like about him is the first story well not like about him but i find interesting the first story is when he was put in jail by mm. us the british <laughs> and um uh he was put in charge of cleaning the toilets because he was Gandhi mm-hmm. like and uh, and so if you think of the idea of toilets like toilets aren't great now but think of Indian toilets now and then in think of jail. Indian toilets in the 1920s 30s 40s in a jail like those are pretty much the worst toilets surely there are and he was put he had to clean the toilets manually by hand and he came up to the English guards after about a week and apparently genuinely said thank you thank you for for giving me this to work with because this is horrible and i was getting egoistic and i was getting full of myself so you gave me a barrier to you gave me something to work with like so instead of being so that's that's one way of kind of facing that difficult those challenges and kind of turning on his head a bit but then this other one I'm not quite sure about like apparently and I don't know this is might be hearsay or whatever is that in order to kind of face his sexual urges he used to sleep with his niece in the same bed and like okay the idea of family is kind of what you know like differs from generation to generation and culture to culture but he said he did that in order to kind of be aware of his sexual urges and to not act on them or whatever and so what, <laughs> well, how he, do yeah, we feel about that? How do we feel about that as a society that lords Gandhi? How did niece feel about it is the relevant Yeah, how question. did the niece feel about it? How is it all kind of connected? But Was he taking advantage of the Westermark effect? Which What's is the Westermark effect? The Westermark effect is that it, if you are brought up with somebody in a familial situation, it's very difficult to find them sexually attractive. Mm. Um, n- not to say that it doesn't happen, but yeah. uh, it's one of the things that, explains um what's i can't even remember what it's called biological sexual attraction where people who are reunited after having been separated yeah so it's not biology that disgusts you about your family it's not the you can't smell that your family and that that's the thing that stops you it's it's the westermark effect it's being if you're brought up as a sibling with someone equally you don't have feelings for them it's a it's like a self-protection thing of the family Mm. um but it's not directly biological science hooray <laughs> yeah we uh, understand that one. <laughs> oh no so we'll to this is going to be a slightly shorter podcast than usual because we're doing it very quickly backstage uh before paul, paul foot is on yeah and paul I'm foot is on and so barry's emceeing so 
this is, uh, as I introduced you, the powerhouse of doing many things at once. <laughs> this is sort of yeah. the, the epitome of that. That's also if you hear any like uh, thrumming in the background, I'll probably explain this in the intro, but uh, that's that. We're at a festival. We're at a festival downstage. I just haven't got, I'm not really hungry. That, the idea of my stomach. <laughs> <laughs> the rumbling effect of, of repressed thoughts. Um, but um, yeah, I don't know whether we got to the kind of like, I don't know if there is a nub to that, but the thing that I find most disturbing about it is is that that seems a logical way of viewing the world that the kind of lauding people that aren't acting on horrific impulses and yet our society just puts it into a little box and they're all the same and the impulse itself the makes impulse a monster itself. rather yeah. than the act yeah. which i think there should be a distinction between the impulse and the act yes and our society doesn't seem to work on impulses like it works on it works on uh uh, sorry, it works on impulses. It doesn't. Uh, it doesn't work on actions. Yeah. Like, like we're all acting inhumanely with a lot of the things that we do in our day-to-day -day life, and yet that's fine because our impulses are to love everybody and be really nice. Yeah, and yeah, be really yeah. Friendly. I'm a nice person, yeah, but nice you may person. have cut someone off in traffic, and that yeah. that consistent. I'm interested in that, and I'm in interested in my show at the moment of of what makes a good person. A lot of people just assuming that they're good people because they feel like good people mm. without having performed anything uh, challenging or good or or that kind of thing i mean it's the it's the it's the classic fundamental woman finds out the guy's been cheating on her and he goes yeah but it meant nothing yeah, yeah, yeah. or i didn't mean to or you know yeah how does it how does that change the fact that you did this thing that was wrong yeah 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 and, and, but that's it. You can never know how your actions are going to affect everybody else. So you need to have your own internal barometer. But how much of our internal barometer is something that we're not thinking about, we're deliberately not thinking about, and how much do we take... Like, if, you're, if you are acting in those ways and you don't have an internal barometer that's very sensitive, are you to blame for the actions that you... you, you but there's also a nasty combination of people uh, obsessing... I mean, there's a, the, I can't remember who did it, but there's a formulation of a, a, the classic way to make yourself unhappy is to face yourself with problems that you cannot fix yeah and so people okay. are on twitter every day <laughs> looking at istanbul looking at nice yeah. looking at these things which feel dangerous and feel very close to us but are not things that we can directly affect and then you go onto facebook and you talk about how you feel about those acts and and you express your own morality in the context of something that doesn't affect you directly yeah unless it does but i mean i'm talking in the con let's assume for the purposes of this hypothesis that it doesn't affect you directly you didn't know anyone involved but this sense of threat has compelled you to express your opinion your disapproval of this or your thoughts about islam or your your suggestion that we should all be more compassionate mm. all of that stuff and people are thinking about those problems rather than turning their attention to the things that they're deliberately not thinking about yeah is the meat you eat factory farmed? Is yep. is the if you don't eat factory farmed meat? Is the tofu that you're eating ethically sourced? Is yep. the are the clothes you buy? What what public transport are you using? Were you nice to your mum today? All of those things which you can actually have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that are hard. But they're, they're hard, hard Alice. and they're exhausting to think <laughs> about. But but actually, you do have control over. Yeah. 
you know, even if it's just getting up on a train, you know, getting your head out of your phone and noticing that there's an older person standing. Yeah. I f- like that's one of those things that I've I need to work on is that I'll drift off and be walking down the street in an inconsiderate way. I'll I'll walk out in front of someone or I'll walk out in front of traffic just because I'm in my head. And that's and that's know, inconvenient, unpleasant for people. It's weird though that being in your head is I think one of the biggest issues of it. It's like not your head, but in particular, being in your head. But being in like... Everyone who's listening to this podcast likes being in their <laughs> head. Um, it, unless you hate listening, in which case, go away. Do something better with your They've time. They've got impulses. They <laughs> don't know. It's, it's work. But that idea of being in your head, because anything that you think isn't real. The only things that are real is happening around you right now. So if you're consciously making every decision that you make, you are in the moment right there. So actually there's an argument to be said that anything that's done in the moment and is consciously done and you're thinking through the ramifications, that is a right, and anything that takes you away from the moment is actually wrong. Anything that takes you away from this moment and the decisions that face you right now are potentially leading you to, oh, I, okay. I think you have to go back. Okay. Uh, well, uh, in th- sort of three minutes, but uh, I think that's a good point. Where can people find you online? Um, Barryphones.com. Barryferns.com and look up angelcomedy.co.uk. Give money if you have spare money. If you don't have spare money, just retweet something. Yeah, retweet something. For a pound, you get to be in the vote. And just think about how little a pound is worth these days. (laughs) Yeah, precisely. It's worth increasingly less. Increasingly less. So if you're an Australian listener or a US listener, you can give a pound and it's like 20 Vote now while it's the cheapest it can possibly be. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much. I'm sorry sorry that it was a rushed podcast. Bye.